Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by AdMobilize. AdMobilize, the world's number one audience intelligence platform for media owners. Today's guest is Jonathan Gadai, founder and CEO of Adomni, the online platform which makes advertising on digital out-of-home screens fast, easy, and affordable. I heard one independent out-of-home operator refer to Jonathan's company as ad money due to its success at helping out-of-home companies generate new revenue. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you for having me, Dave. Jonathan, why don't you just give the five-sentence overview of what Adomni does and why it's important to an out-of-home company? Absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me. It's great being on the show. Adomni is an online platform created to help increase revenue for billboard owners by making it easier for more buyers to find and buy, whether it's digital billboards or other types of digital screens, to do it all through an easy online process. Can we expand on that? Am I right? You're not just doing billboards. You're also doing, is it digital out of home? Talk a little about play space. Talk about that. Sure, absolutely. So we actually started with digital billboards. That was our core focus. And the first billboard was in Las Vegas, in fact. We're coming out of the airport. And over the past three, four years, we've expanded to shopping mall screens, moving vehicles, bars, restaurants, sports stadiums, hotels, really any digital screen that has a high traffic pattern that crosses past it is a good candidate to list and sell their their ads online. But I will say that our largest revenue segment of all the different screens we have is still billboards. And we think it's going to be like that for quite some time. If you had to break out the different segments, how would it break out? What percentage is billboards? What percentage is other screens? From a supply perspective, you know, digital billboards are not as common as the place-based screens. So I think there's somewhere around eight or eight, eight or 9,000 large format digital billboards in the U.S., compared to over a million place-based screens. Wow. So that kind of dis, you know, disparity just in the U.S. market is also kind of the way it leans on our website as well. By the end of May, our digital billboard counts will be in the thousands. And by compare that to the place-based, we're talking about in excess of 100,000 on the platform. Wow. Jonathan, there are a lot of different people trying to make it easy to buy digital screens. How is what you're doing different from what some of these other providers or these other demand side platforms do? How are you different? That's a really good question. And I'll say that I'll first answer it by flipping it around and saying how we're similar in that we're all trying to help billboard owners increase their revenue, increase their fill rates, and ultimately look at their static boards and say, how can I convert those to digital and make more revenue on those pieces of real estate? So we share that same vision of making it an, an online process and where we differ from others out there and without naming names, but just kind of conceptually, number one is price. So on the Adomni platform, we are a fixed price model where the billboard owner sets the price and we recommend that that price typically be your normal rack rates or close to it. So there's never this concern of, Am I diluting my revenue potential or am I having customers come in and find a better deal elsewhere compared to doing it over the phone with my salespeople? Uh, 
after price, the, the second is just the inventory availability. Right now, we've got about 65,000 purchasable digital screens that should grow to over 100,000 by the end of this quarter. And so we're positioned as a omni-channel for digital screen provider, allowing an advertiser to say, I want to really find a specific audience or blanket a geographical area. And they're buying you know, the large format billboards along with the other smaller screens as a complement. So I'd say that's also a big difference. It's not just one media type. Wow. And the, the last and the third and biggest to us is sort of our, our philosophy on the business. We've built the platform as an open marketplace. And as an open marketplace, we've built connections and APIs where if you're running the Adomni platform, you can connect other selling entities into Adomni and you can have Adomni and them also selling the unsold space. We think that by having that coopetition, it helps the board owners and the, the advertisers by just creating more channels. Others in the market have been more of a, a walled garden, a closed off platform where if you're running their system, you really can't list and sell with other parties. Mm-hmm. So what I hear, it's not either or. I can use you and I can use one of the other services. I could choose to use one of the other services as well. You sure can. Okay. Can you talk just briefly about pricing? How do you make money? Do you, do you have a commission? Is it disclosed? How, how does the Domni make money? Sure. So it's a fully transparent commission model. Which I think is a huge thing in an age where digital ad fraud, online ad fraud, is just horrendous because it's not so transparent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of platforms out there that don't present what the actual buying price is. Mm-hmm. And you, in a way, it's almost like buying on Priceline or Hotwire where you name your price and then you wait to see what you got. <laughs> We are the polar opposite. So the billboard owner can say, I want per slot per month X thousand dollars. So let's just say a $3,000 price. Yes. We would then, our standard commission is 20%. So we would mark that price up, go to market at say $3,600 around there. And the big innovation here, which a lot of people ask us, well, why would anyone ever want to buy through you if they can always get it for less with the billboard owner, is that the ability to do audience-based buying and targeting where you're not through Adomni going to be doing annual buys. If you want to buy a billboard for 12 months, you're best off calling a billboard owner. But if you want to buy 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., we've whittled down the pricing model to a price per play. Wow. And just like Google, where it's a cost per click of pennies on the dollar, we've also taken that and adapted it for out of home where a billboard that might go for $3,500 per month per slot really is an eight cents per play purchasing model. And the advertisers love that because they see a small price and then it's like, how many ads do you want to buy where they're still buying thousands of dollars worth of ads, but they're just thinking about it in terms of eight cents increments. Jonathan, how big is the digital out-of-home market today and how much of it do you think is automated? It's a great question. And there's, you know, the groups like OAAA and IAB and PricewaterhouseCoopers that all kind of analyze and provide their assessments. I'm a board of directors member of the the DPAA. And so we follow this and and try to put this out. Our estimate is that today in the U.S., digital out-of-home is around a four to five billion dollar market. Some say as low as you know 3.7, some say up to 4.5. But from an automated perspective, that's what's really exciting 
is that it's so early where less than 2% of the digital out-of-home ads that are being transacted are being done online on automated platforms. Wow. But we see that dramatically changing over the next, you know, three to five years where I think the DPA just put out a number that they think for this year, automated buying would be a $125 million transaction business. We think that we can grow along with our, our partners. We can grow the digital out of home from that 4 billion it is today to over 10 billion in the next you know, five to 10 years. How does that happen? That's a, that's a, that's a big increase. Yeah. A lot of people you know, look at that and say, you know, there's no way. That's just that's just too big of a, of a leap. And then I always say, you've got to look back at what our digital and online counterparts who we're competing with have done. Even just using Facebook as an example, for so many years, Facebook's only mission was just to add more and more users and they crossed the billion user mark and they raised a lot of money and went public and they turned on the advertising machine where literally overnight, they started generating billions of dollars and last year, just that one channel, just one Facebook company did $34 billion worth of ads. Wow. And we compare that to at a home where there's as much reach, as much frequency, if not more, it's the physical world, right? Everyone's passing by these screens. And we say the $4 billion that we're at today is just because we're undervalued. Wow. So it's convincing the market of the value that's in at home. That's part of how we get there. Exactly. It's showing them the value. It's giving them the tools to purchase it and to measure it similarly to where all the digital online has been moving. And it's also looking at mobile and how we all are spending so much time on our phones and thinking about how can mobile actually catapult at a home. And we have some, some big ideas for that as well. Let's stop here for a word from our sponsor. AdMobilize works with media owners in the U.S. and around the world with all types of inventory to solve one common problem, analytics. From real car counts and classification to pedestrian, county, and demographics, AdMobilize provides a complete, accurate, and privacy-compliant platform for media owners to be successful. Visit AdMobilize.com to learn more or to speak with one of their team members about their solutions for audience intelligence. You were talking about mobile data and its role in out-of-home. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. Thinking about just kind of us in our daily lives and how and how much time and attention has moved to our mobile phones, it's something that's just undeniable. And any forecasting person is showing that mobile ads and mobile data are just continuing to climb it as the fastest growing medium. When we think about out of home, for as long as there have been billboards, the impression counts and the way it's been bought and sold has been, been more on real estate as a real estate model since we started off as a static billboard industry. Correct. So it's all location-based. Exactly. And then with TAB and, and now Geopath with a new branding, bringing what was always just here's an estimated count based upon the number of people in a car. Um, and then that, you know evolving to to now them using mobile data, we all of a sudden have an ability to say more than just, here's a location that I can sell you. We can start to delve into the audience-based buying world. And there's a couple different ways that this manifests itself, which we think are really interesting. And we're spending a lot of time and 
and R&D uh, trying to connect the mobile to the to the out-of-home. The first is a better understanding of who actually passes by the screens. Not just how many and using the weekly impression counts, but if you can quantify the top indexing audiences, whether it's gym goers or it's luxury shopping goers, building those insights into out-of-home and allowing advertisers to more intelligently choose the locations that they want to, to place ads on because it has the audience that they're looking for. That's the first big innovation that we at Adomni have, have really been investing in. And we partner with a company called Place IQ, who's one of the largest, if not the largest, location intelligence data provider. And so what they do is there's no personally identifiable information. So I want to get that out you know, up front. There's always a question of data integrity and privacy. All they do is partner with different mobile app companies and get location signal pings as these apps on, on phones are traveling around the real world. So let's just use me as an example. I leave my house and I go to Starbucks and I, I'm waiting 10 minutes to get my coffee. My phone is sending off location signals on one of a variety of, of apps that because I'm in that Starbucks for enough time, Place IQ knows I'm a Starbucks or I'm a coffee drinker. And I go to my office and I go to the gym afterwards and I'm going to 24 hour fitness. I'm there for an hour. My device, it knows that my device was in a 24 hour fitness. So I'm a, I'm a gym goer. And imagine that across hundreds of millions of phones, all anonymously captured, and then breaking that out into a thousand different audience segments based upon all those types of locations and bringing that to the out of home world. So, Jonathan, the old model, I might buy some billboards near my gym because of location. In the new model, I might not necessarily buy billboards near my gym, but I might buy billboards if I know gym goers are going by the billboard. And if I know those gym goers maybe end up in zip codes near my gyms at the end of the day. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's exactly right. So there's no shortage of inventory. Yeah, whether it's digital billboards or these place-based networks, what there is a shortage is buyers able to pinpoint the relevant audiences and place dollars on those screens. Wow. And, and that's where this innovation, this first kind of leg of, of the stool of, of let's create a Facebook lookalike model where people can say, you know, advertisers can say who they're trying to reach. And then we created this concept of an IQ score where we would just rank the locations based upon the audience composition. It's not gonna be one-to-one, it's not perfect, but it shows you as a overall population, this billboard on this cross street is the number one, this transit station is number two, and allow you with confidence to to select those locations because of that audience from a reputable source, from place like. Jonathan, there's tremendous upside what are some of the barriers to the continued automation of out-of-home buying? From an advertiser perspective, I think it's just wrapping their mind around the one-to-many medium that we have. Everyone you know, who's really moved over to the big three, right? The, the Google, the Facebook, the Amazon, they're thinking about one-to-one type impressions and really kind of pinpointed audience targeting. Yes. It's the first barrier is just getting everyone comfortable with the idea of it being one to many. And these screens are still very important to help drive the results, but it's not going to be on a literal one to one 
level where you're going to get an analytics report of exactly how many clicks and exactly how many buys you're getting from a specific piece. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's still just something that as a channel, we have to continue to educate advertisers by showing them how it influences, how out of home influences all the other channels because of the size and the sight, sound and motion capabilities that you get. And I think there's going to be some exciting research into attribution that's going to come out at the next OAAA show that might help with some of these some of these questions. You're spot on. Yep. And it's something that will continue to accelerate and that we're spending a lot of our time not just selling ads, but also helping it to tell a story mm-hmm. of you know who bought those ads and why were these campaigns successful so that others in the marketplace could say, hey, I want to do that too. What, what are some other barriers to automating out of home? The ability to just do it online. Most advertisers don't know that companies like Adomni exist. And I think the barrier is just education, again, in a different front of us, you know, as a company or as programmatic at a home as an overall segment of the market, just getting the word out that you could go online and within minutes find and buy ads. It's just I think the barrier might be just time and education that needs to continue to work. Can you talk about an example of, for instance, a recent buy that was automated and and what the client thought when they executed the buy? Sure. Absolutely. I actually, there's a couple that come to mind. One is a large advertiser and, and another is a smaller local. At the end of last year, UFC had a big... UFC is Ultimate Fighting deal. Oh, yes. Ultimate okay. Fighting Championship. Yep. Where they do the, the mixed martial arts. Yes. And they, they have this superstar named John Jones, huge following, but also a really controversial guy. And he had been banned the year prior for substance abuse. And six days before the New Year's fight, the Las Vegas Athletic Commission does a drug test on him and finds that he actually violated, for the same reason he got banned, he had a small, small, small amount of this banned substance. And they, they basically forbid him from fighting. Oops. And for UFC, I mean, they're spending tens of millions of dollars, not just producing the fight, but promoting it. And this isn't just U.S. This is worldwide. And they found this out, I think, on December 24th or 25th, like right after Christmas, around Christmas time, they found out. And in a span of six, six days, you got you to hand it to their, their leadership team. They relocated the fight from Las Vegas to California, to L.A., wow. because the California Athletic Commission felt that the circumstances or the amount of, of the, the, the substance was just not material to, to ban it, where six days they had to move an entire fight. We're talking about you know, a 15,000 arena where they've sold tickets, pay-per-view fight, all that marketing that went with it. And what they did was they went on a Domini, they geofenced LA and the surrounding area, San Diego, Orange County, and they plastered UFC ads all over trying to sell tickets to the show. And they also went outside of LA to you know the major markets as well as some some smaller markets that had their audience, and they put ads up just promoting the, the change of venue and the fight. And literally within four days, they sold out fifteen thousand plus tickets at this Coliseum event. Wow! And we think that never would have been able to be done in an out of home world of two years ago, where you'd have to give lead time, we'd have to make sure that the availability was there. It was literally launched in minutes and they, they were on the boards like the same day. How many boards was necessary to execute this? I believe in just L.A. alone, it was over 40. Wow. But it also spans, you know, throughout the U.S. 
And, and it took it took how long to execute this spot? In a matter of two, you know, two days, start to finish, they had relocated and had their ads up on screens. Jonathan, that that's insane. If you had looked at a typical agency process where they send out requests, they get back proposals, they tweak the proposals, they ask for pictures of boards, they tweak it again, the fight would be gone before you could even have bought a billboard. Yep. I think that's what's holding the, the whole industry back. Yes. Is that we live in an age, I can Google anything and get answers to whatever I want to find or, or know. I can go on Amazon and I can buy whatever product and get it in two days. And that convenience is just baked into our way of operating. And as soon as advertisers realize that that same convenience is also available for out of home, it's going to dramatically open up the floodgates and way more dollars to start flowing. Wow. Jonathan, can you talk? There seems to be a couple different approaches in the industry that out-of-home companies are taking. Some out-of-home companies, I think more like a clear channel or outfront, seem to be trying to develop walled gardens where they control the product, control the digital out-of-home selling. Other out-of-home companies, maybe like Lamar, tend to be more vendor agnostic or tend to use multiple vendors to sell inventory. What's your take on different strategies that out-of-home companies are using? You're absolutely correct that different companies have, have different strategic approaches to how their inventory is going to be shared with others or who can uh, have the rights to sell and list. It makes sense. I mean, for hundreds of years or ho- however long walls have been painted with ads, it's been a, a certain way of, of buying and selling, and it's been very tightly controlled and managed to kind of get into the open world of digital online and really opening it up to really anyone is a huge leap in terms of just thinking and operating. So I I get it where some have said we want to start as a walled garden and then, you know, see how it goes. Our belief is that the more open we can make it now open with responsible parties being connected and responsible data sources being brought in, but the more open it can be, it's the more surface area you have to sell your ads. The companies that are coming out and trying to build their own platforms you know, I applaud them for that effort. But ultimately, to say that just that one walled garden is going to be successful, it's hard to see that over the long term. There seems to be a network effect in out-of-home buying that if I have to go three or five or 25 different places to do one out-of-home digital buy, that's a waste of my time, certainly compared to what I could do online, where I can just simply go to one place and make an online buy. And it puts the industry at a big disadvantage if we aren't somehow interconnected with respect to buying. I completely agree. And I think eventually it gets there. Clear Channel, as an example, is one where they were an early pioneer and they made big investments in their radar product and doing some audience-based analysis. And I look at them as definitely a true pioneer that's looking at programmatic and having it available in other SSPs in a way that I I wouldn't classify them as a wall garden approach. But anyone today who is looking at their fill rates and saying, "How how can I fill these and look at all these static boards that have all this potential, I think we're seeing an easing over the last couple of years, especially of the out of home companies starting to relax it a little bit and say, I'm going to either build it myself like Clear Channel or Lamar saying, I'm going to partner with the major other DSPs, but we need to test and we need to open it up more and more. I wonder if 
as the number of digital screens in, increases exponentially if they suddenly people will be more willing to interconnect. It's one thing when you have 7,000 digital screens in New York. It's one thing to say you want to control and have a wild garden. But if you are Jeremy Mail and you're building 50,000 screens, you may not have enough sales staff to sell all those screens without getting help from some outside players. Yeah, you're spot on there. There's a lot of new inventory coming to market. And it's like basic economics where if your demand is not keeping pace with your supply, you're just going to dilute pricing. Jonathan, we've talked a little about digital signs. What about static? Does automated selling ever come to static boards? We believe it does. It's a slightly different value proposition and selling model just because of the printing and, and, and the installation involved. But at the end of the day, it's inventory that's not filled and there's no technical hurdle to be able to list it and you know let people choose their dates and reserve space the way that they're booking hotel rooms or doing other types of things online. It just comes down to execution and just letting the advertisers know from a you know from a timing perspective, you know, that sort of last minute model that we're all living in today. Yes. That works in that works for digital um, at a home. For static, you have to understand that there's a lead time, and then there's also recognizing that if you want to change out, you know, your messaging, you're gonna you're gonna also need to wait for that to happen after the flight is already up. Yes. Why don't we end with that discussion about privacy? It seems like privacy is becoming more and more an issue. You know, GPDR, the what's it called? GPDR, the European Union Privacy Initiative's been implemented. Right. This moves afoot to maybe uh, you know California wants to do stuff. There's talking Congress potentially about a privacy bill, but what government actions could occur with respect to privacy that might impact out of home? It's funny. We, I was just on a panel about this exact topic at DSC a couple of weeks ago, and I was on it with Rich Ventura from NEC and Ian Dallimore from Lamar. It's an issue that right now is not a looming threat to out of home, or at least our plans for bringing audience data and and, and the digital on world, online worlds into at a home. Ultimately, where we see this coming into play is whether you're a billboard operator, owner, or a real estate company, you want to make sure that you choose your partners wisely. And for us, you know, going with one of the leading audience intelligence companies with Place IQ, there was a lot of homework that we did to make sure that they're responsibly gathering the data, that there's no personally identifiable information that in some way could become a liability for us that they have, you know, the seals, the certifications from groups like NAI, Trusty, Comscore kind of kind of groups. So Geopath, you know, as our industry is kind of leading analytics and measurement company, also has a big role to play here. You know, they're using mobile data and they're using all these different data sources, but they're vetting them and they're making sure that those companies are also following the right practices. So it starts with that. It starts with choosing the right partners. The second is how we use the data. For us, this is about audience composition around screens. I'm not sending one ad to one person because I know it's it's a woman and I want to put you know a specific ad today, right? Things that could in the future come into play where government regulations could impact are like with vision analytics. Companies like AdMobilize who do things the right way today in terms of that they're not storing personally identifiable information, but they are using a camera to measure the demographics and all that. 
We just have to make sure that the, the government doesn't step in and say, well, you, you can't even you can't even do that. But quite frankly, you know, Ian Dalmore echoed this. We're not that concerned that GDPR is going to hinder our ability to sell ads or grow the market with the audience data that we have. It seems like it could impact some of the competition way more than out-of-home because out-of-home, it's anonymous data where where you may find that it really impinges on what happens in a digital ad world, an online world. You're absolutely right. And and for us, I mean, that's that's something that we, we, we tout also. When, when we're talking to a digital agency or a digital media buyer and they're saying, why would I just keep doing the Facebook, Instagram, and Google? We say, well... How about the study that just came out that said 60% of online digital ads are fraud? How about the fact that you're paying for ads that are underneath the folds that are on a page that no one's actually able to see? How about how digital at a home has no bots that are roaming around being counted in our impression counts? Those disadvantages you have in online digital, you don't have in at a home. And it's an important thing for sure to, to make sure everyone you know, recognizes that. A huge set of selling points. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Jonathan. Thank you. Enjoyed it. This podcast was sponsored by AdMobilize. AdMobilize, the world's number one audience intelligent platform for media owners. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back in a couple weeks.